Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Thursday. Matt is here with me, as is Dennis, having a little bit of issues right now, but he'll be joining us here any second. We are going to be talking about, again, some of the latest NFL news, a contract that we forgot to talk about earlier, and then we will talk about our 2021 tight ends wrapping up our rank. No, never mind. Almost wrapping up our ranking series. We, we were, and then Dennis yeah. suggested that some people play with defense and kickers, and us some dynasty folks uh, have forgotten. But we're going to spend the next three weeks uh, trying to learn what defense and kickers do in fantasy football so that we can provide some rankings. We will We will definitely do that. I think, I think. Um, you know, I guess it's a week from today. We will spend a week. Figures, yes, a week. Really, realistically, I won't lie to you guys. I'll spend a couple hours. That's about how, that's about the amount of time I will give kickers and defense. Matt might spend more time. I will not. I'm just going to be honest. If with I can name five people that play on your defense, you're probably making my top 12. Hey, that guy. I know that guy. Hey, look, Austin. Gotta be proud. There you go, Austin. I need a shirt, Austin. You're gonna have to hook me up. Things are not looking bright for me at the moment with my shirt coming in. Anyways, so let's talk about some of the NFL news that we have kind of. Uh, no, we're gonna save the Chubb thing for last. So we'll start with Dak, which recently came out. He is now getting a second MRI on his shoulder. Cause for concern, Matt. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think much about it, but I'll, I'll be uh, honest. I was watching Wake Up this morning, uh, Ray Garvin's new new show uh, with Bets TV. He was live and he was talking about it. I did not know this part that he's actually been talking to and hanging out with a lot of baseball players here recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does worry me a little bit uh, that he's already talking to those those guys and dealing with that with the second opinion now, second MRI on this shoulder. Are you worried about that? I don't, did you watch Hard Knocks? So no. So Hard Knocks. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I, you know, I'll, I'll be curious if you see it. I thought it was it was pretty fun. Uh, they open um, the cold open is about three to five minutes of Dak kind of showing his ankle scar, talking about he had two ankle surgeries, which I guess. Uh, I wasn't aware of that. He kind of made a joke about, oh, I guess nobody knew that before now. I was like, okay, that's interesting. He looked really good uh, the first week. It was interesting to watch the behind the scenes. Uh, The coaches were arguing that they thought they wanted him to pace himself, and you could see him getting really pissed off that he just wanted to be out there, ready to go, taking every rep. 
the injury I had forgotten about, I remembered that he had some injury, but I had kind of forgotten about it until I was watching the episode. They talked about it quite a bit, about him doing different stuff, not seeming like they were too concerned. You get a scene of Jerry Jones on the phone with the doctor, um, and you can hear the doctors kind of talking to him while Jerry Jones is pulling out a uh, McGriddle. Uh, that he's about to eat and pouring salt on it. I, if you ever wondered if Jerry Jones was like your grandpa, seeing him pull out a McDonald's breakfast sandwich and add salt to it on national TV, uh, pretty well answered that question. He's just living so his best was, life. Yeah, they really downplayed like it wasn't that big of a concern. So I was kind of surprised to hear that he was doing a second MRI. I'm still not super worried right now. If we get a couple weeks and he can't throw, I'll be concerned because he did some soft tossing yesterday uh, or Tuesday too. So at least he's back to throwing in some way. And Dennis is now here. He's gotten everything figured out. Dennis, what's going on? We are talking about Dak and obviously the second MRI on his shoulder. Uh, And if you have any concerns about that. Well, I I definitely think that there's always going to be some concern with a player coming back from an injury. At this point, I feel like they're being extra cautious. So let's let's ride it out and see. You know, I, I think I have him as my QB three, if I remember correctly. So I, I'm not at a point where I'm starting to think, well, maybe he's going to miss some time and I'm going to need to move him down. So I, I'm still pretty comfortable that he's going to be able to play. He'll be good to go and that they're just being extra cautious. And we'll see on uh, if I'm good to go. I, I feel like my system is kind of. Yeah, if as, you missed as it. As he says that, he freezes. Dennis told me we are getting a huge storm in Ohio. So. Uh, yeah, and when I rebo- rebooted my computer, it said I had a bunch of updates. I skipped the updates. So it may or may, I, I, I may freeze permanently during this uh, episode. <laughs> Well, if Dennis just stops talking, we, we you guys know. If you guys watch a debut debate, you know, earlier this year, I had that with, like, multiple tornado drills going on during the uh, some of our shows this year. So the, the weather can definitely play havoc on our networks here. So next up, Rashad Bateman uh, came out earlier today. He's getting surgery on his groin, but they are saying that he's likely to return back in September. So, Dennis, what, what do you think that impact is on him? And we, we've seen – all the videos recently about him flashing in camp, making those catches, beating Marlon Humphreys, of all people, on some of these routes. Uh, a lot of people are getting very excited about him. Does this damper expectations for you at all? Well, I, I think so. You know, as a rookie, you need to get all the reps that you can, especially if you are going to be counted on early. Uh, and, and by all intents and purposes, we believe that the Ravens were counting on him to push Sammy Watkins. Well, if he's going to miss training camp and into mid-September, maybe even late September, it's going to be a while before, you know, you're looking mid or late October, probably before he's truly given uh, Sammy a run for his money, if Sammy stays healthy. You know, Sammy's a professional. He's been in the league now, what, nine years, seven years? So while he gets a wrap, because he, he gets injured frequently. Um, he is a professional wide receiver, and he, he knows the job. He does it well. And it, it may really be a boon for Sammy Watkins that he goes to a low-volume passing offense because then it takes pressure, pressure off him to produce at that 
I think he was a first round draft pick back in Buffalo and in a low volume offense where he's the third option, there isn't a ton of pressure to live up to that ancient draft capital. So it helps guys like Devin DuVernay, Tylen Wallace, you know, they're going to get some opportunity, but it, in my opinion, it was always going to be uh, Mark Andrews and uh, 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 Marquise Brown at the top of the pecking order. So I don't think that it changes anything from that aspect. Yeah, it's a little bummer for me being the one person that picked Rashad Bateman to finish highest among uh, Ravens wide receivers. I'm not, I'm not panicking yet. I will say the other concern that you might have is Bateman is one of those guys that opted out of 2020. So he hasn't played, you know, game reps in a while. Preseason would have been a good time to kind of work back into game shape. Um, and he's obviously not going to get any of that kind of competition, you know, as much as they do in practice and they don't have as many practices and pads as they once used to, you're not going full out. Um, I haven't seen, I don't think the Ravens were doing practices this week with another team, you know, which usually comes up some point in time. So you're missing a little bit of that contact and competition. He's going to have to work himself into game shape a little bit later in the season now. Yeah, I think that's my biggest concern. You just want him to get the live game reps. I mean, the, those preseason games really matter. We saw it a, a lot last year that really a lot of those rookies kind of struggled at first to kick off that season. So you'd love to see him out there in the preseason getting those live game reps. Now he likely won't get that unfortunately until week one, two or three. So maybe it takes him a little bit longer to kind of start producing and, and, and being a, a factor in this offense. But I still think he's going to end up having at least a decent year because uh, just how good I think he was in college and coming into this. And, and yes, Dennis, to answer the Watkins question, which I did not realize he was drafted this high, the fourth overall number four overall. I did not realize it was that high by Cle by by uh, virtue Buffalo. of the Cleveland Browns. Well, they got the pick from the Cleveland Browns. That's what I was just looking at. So oh. yeah, fourth overall though, which is just uh, you don't really see wide receivers going that early these days anymore. I guess we saw it this year with Jamar Chase, but uh, I'd say Sammy coming out, Jamar Chase coming out, Chase uh, the better player. But well, know. Watkins was heavily hyped when he came out. I just never. Yeah. I mean, he was never quite. I mean, we've seen flashes of it but never consistent. Elijah Moore getting an MRI today. That's about all we know, unfortunately, on this right now, Matt. Uh, obviously, we're hoping this isn't a serious injury, but not much else we can really add to this point because I, at least I haven't seen any news on what the actual injury was. I think it was quad, if I remember correctly, but that's all they Something said. Something like that. Yeah, so bummer because he was, he was having a great camp. We probably need to give our friend Alfred a hug. He seemed to be taking it pretty hard. Um, he, he's, I will say Alfred was on Elijah Moore back in like mm -hmm. October, I think is when we had him on the debut debate. And he was talking about Elijah Moore was going to be like a stud and, and nobody else was talking about it. So yeah, he's heavily invested in Mr. Moore. I feel like it helps my, uh, my decision to rank Corey Davis as the highest Jets receiver. Uh, feeling a little bit better about that. I'm guessing, you know, another, even if he only misses preseason and stuff, it's those reps and those game yeah. things. Soft tissue injuries can linger. The fact that he's getting an MRI, probably not great. Um, the biggest winner in this might be Mims, who had been reportedly on the roster bubble. If they're having health concerns with Elijah Moore, that might secure his position a little bit better. You're muted. 
I, I think with uh, with more, it's they have every reason to be cautious with him as well. That team is literally being rebuilt, and so why push it if you've got Corey Davis and Chris Conley and Jamison Crowder? Uh, you, you spent some high draft capital on him. Don't go out there and break your, you know, what was he, a second-round pick? So don't go out there and break your second-round pick in your the first year of your rebuild. So take it easy with him. Be cautious. Uh, let the guys you have run. You know, you restructured Crowder's deal to make it worth keeping him around. Uh, you brought in Davis. So let's let, let, let him rest. Let him, let's make sure he's right uh, and Unfortunately, uh, for us fantasy people, Robert Sala doesn't care about fantasy football. Ah, none of these coaches do. Really, only Bill Belichick does. That's that's going to be the secret that comes out in like ten years after he retires, and the documentary comes I out. Mean, he's going to say he secretly has been playing fantasy football this whole if, time. If if producing good fantasy assets was enough to help you keep your NFL job, they'd probably care. But uh, as we've seen for many years in Jacksonville. Uh, producing fantasy numbers doesn't do a lot to keep your position on the team or on the sideline. That is very true. Carson Wentz, we literally just talked about this on Monday, about how worried we were about him and when we thought he did end up playing Jacob Beeson, Sam Ellinger. Well, Dennis, then they came out like yesterday. Apparently they didn't want to give us the inside information. They came out Tuesday after the show and said that uh, Carson Wentz is likely going to be good to go for the season. So now... And I think they said Quentin Nelson too, right? If I remember that correctly, they said both of them are going to be ready to go. So if that's the case, what does this do for Pittman, Campbell, T.Y. Hilton? We were all a little bit worried having those two quarterbacks. Now we're getting Wentz back at the helm. Uh, does that boost them up a little bit for you? Well, I had not updated my rankings yet. Um, and so, and therefore probably. He's so oh, excited. Um, I, I like uh, Pittman. I think I have him at wide receiver 37 or something like that. I feel like I'm I, I feel like I'm low on him. If that offense is going to perform, it, it somebody's going to push to a higher level. I, I think I'm when I did the ranks, it was kind of uh, hedge my bets a little bit and uh, try to figure out because it could be you know Ty Hilton started coming out. year so if uh, being healthy all season you know, he could have a bounce back year if Paris Campbell you know Zach Pascal is always contributing I don't know what's going to happen at tight end I'm in the midst of my last rookie draft and it's a start to tight end and Jack Doyle is my second tight end and I'm like what I'm going to do at tight end I don't know oh, Doyle's still the starter there but as far as the receivers, it's definitely better for them to have Wentz than it is to have Eason or Ellinger. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to be a little bit cautious until we – they're hopeful, I think, is what they said, that he would be back. And there was footage of him on the sideline at practice not wearing a boot and not limping. Um, you know, those are all those are all good things. I still – I. I want to see. I want to see some confirmation. I have Pittman. I had moved him, I think, to wide receiver 44, which I don't think is terrible. Um, 
it's hard to know. Pittman, Campbell, Hilton, Pascal, they're probably all going to be involved. Doyle, Granson, Moali Cox, probably all going to be involved. Neheim Hines, probably going to be involved. Jonathan Taylor is the only one I feel confident about right now still. Um, but if Wentz is back, I think he'll be better. I had dropped him uh, when I revised my quarterback rankings based on the idea that I thought he'd miss some games. I still probably am going to have him in QB3 range because I'm, I'm not – I'm not 100 percent set. Well, and there a post came out today uh, that uh, let's see who was it. Zach Kiefer on Twitter said that Jim Ursay has come out and said he doesn't want Wentz back unless he's 100 percent. Well, and they have a big motivation to let him play less than 75 percent of the snaps, like a first round motivation. Yeah. Uh, going off the script here for just a second. Everybody saw the reports about Jamar Chase not being able to quote unquote separate. Uh, any concern there, Matt? I mean, it wasn't really part of his game in college, but apparently everybody's freaking out about that now. Is, is Jamar Chase a bust? Uh, two, two, like two no. months into his NFL career. I mean, I haven't you know, we seen the guy it. play an actual snap yet. I I saw that. You know, I for me it was a little bit tough because initially I wanted to have Higgins as my number one Cincinnati receiver. I kind of flipped and went with chase a little bit higher i still think one of them is a wide receiver two and a couple of them are probably in wide receiver three that's about how i feel about pittsburgh you could on any particular day convince me that either higgins or chase was going to be the top i i think both of them have a better shot than boyd but i'd like to see him in a game you know we we got reports that joe burrow looked terrible too and then two days later it's like joe burrow's never looked better let's this is the worst time of year because uh, you're desperate for any nugget, and the nuggets you get are probably a lot of conjecture and hearsay. Yeah, now I, I just, I'm very comfortable with where I have Chase, which I think is uh, like wide receiver 23 or 24, somewhere. Yeah, 23 too. Uh, yeah, 21 you, you, is where I have. You, you both had him in your top 24. Yeah, yeah, I have Chase at 21, Higgins at 17. I stand by that. You know, I think the boy at 27, they're, they're going to spread the ball around. And I have no concerns about whether or not. I mean, it's not like Chase is Nikhil Harry. So let's not fool ourselves. Where's the wood to knock on? Oh, yeah. I don't have any shares. So I don't care. I got you. I got you. All right. So we somehow, like, completely managed to not talk about Nick Chubb re-signing with the Cleveland Which Browns. Is which incredibly is incredibly shocking I, given our pedigree. I agree. I, I don't know how we missed it. So we wanted to talk a little bit about it right now. Three years, $36 million. Uh, he does get a, a $3 million option bonus. What was it? $20 million guaranteed into the contract. $17 million guaranteed at signing. And then an average salary of $12 million. But it was interesting because me and Matt were talking a little bit about this before the show. And he does have an opt-out in 2024. Um, it goes to a $0 on the dead cap if, if they do opt out of that. I, it does not say if it is a team option or a player option. I don't know if, if one of you are able to find that. I could not. All I saw was that it was a, a potential opt-out. But I was talking to Matt about this. It's very team-friendly which obviously as a Browns fan, I love because that allows them to, there was talks that they're trying to then pay Denzel Ward. 
You've got Baker Mayfield's contract coming up as well here soon. But I also love Nick Chubb, and I don't love that he took a discount for the Browns because I don't know if he'll ever get that money back. So I love that he did it for the Browns, but for the fact that him and his future, I, I hate that because we also seen he's been a little bit injured. He's $10 million in 2023, $11 million in 2024. We went, I went back and looked at some of the other players that have signed recently running backs. Derrick Henry is probably the most comparable with Joe Mixon, although Joe Mixon catches the ball a little bit more than Chubb does, but but Henry doesn't catch it nearly as much as even Chubb does. 10 million, 12 million, 12 million are his next three years, where Chubb's actually next year is $1 million. That's just because he's still on the rookie contract. Aaron Jones, who just signed a contract recently as well, is $1 million again because he's still on the last year of his rookie. And then $8 million, $11 million. So he's a little bit less that next year, but then more than Chubb the year after that. And then Joe Mixon is less than that in all years. Five million, eight million, nine million, and then nine million, but which actually would put Cincinnati over the cap, which is very interesting as it's showing on Spot Track here. They would go over the cap if they they paid him out in 2024. Didn't look up CMCs, because let's all just be honest here. CMC and even Alvin Kamara, they're completely different running backs compared to that. So, so Cook. Yeah, he's he's right there um, in he's below Derrick Henry, but right there in the range with an Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon. I just wanted to touch on that because again, team friendly. I thought was was a great thing for Cleveland, but I, I do kind of hate that for a player like Nick Chubb, who is all about the team. You know, Matt, you brought up doesn't really seem to do a lot of endorsement stuff off the field. So the fact that he kind of gave up money to stay in Cleveland as a Cleveland Browns fan means even more to me like you he just he gets cleveland and i'm just like i i hope that they do everything they can to take care of him the rest of his career well and aaron jones i was gonna say he his rookie deal expired so that he probably got a little bit uh to help them with cap relief and took a huge signing bonus or got something front loaded um that doesn't count against the cap but his whatever he has this year is the start of his new free agent deal I, you and I talked a little bit off air. The the only sad thing potentially for Chubb is it seems like the way running back position has shifted. The big opportunity for a payday for a running back is that second contract, the first off your rookie deal, because running backs don't seem to have as long of a career span. You have the rookie deal that's usually more team friendly. You get one kind of shot because that second contract is going to usually be three to four years. And then once you're off of that, you're going to be late 20s, pushing 30. They're not looking. Nobody is looking to give those guys usually 12, 10 or $12 million. So it's good for Cleveland. I don't know if it's great for Nick Chubb. And I don't know that he sees another big payday. Well, what do you think is more important to Chubb? Making as much money as he possibly can or winning a championship. Oh, definitely a championship. That's what I said. He's always been a team guy, but I also do hate, like, I again, uh, being as big a Browns fan as I am, I like I said, I love it for the Browns because now Denzel Ward and Baker both can remain in there because Chubb didn't ask for some ridiculous contract. But at the same time, I have said it many times, and I, I honestly believe. He is the best pure running back in the NFL. He deserved to be paid. And I understand maybe he didn't want that, but he deserved. And I get it. $36 million is life-changing money anyways. But I just, I hate it. Like, let's just be honest. If he gets hurt, 
like this year, a very serious injury, which unless he had a very serious injury in college. He had a an injury where I was someone who, in all honesty, faded him coming out of college. I was like, there's no way he's ever going to rebound from such a serious knee injury. If something like that happens to him, again, God forbid, like I I, I would give my life for Nick. No, I shouldn't say that. I'd give my right leg for Nick <laughs> Chubb to stay healthy. But, and then, oh, I feel like I just yanked my headphone there. Um, I just messed my whole computer up. got excited and like smacked my computer. Uh, I, hey, I feel at least like it he, was a happy excitement. And not exactly. It's excitement. not a bad excitement. I just, I, I, I hope that this doesn't ever come to fruition, I guess, and him ever wanting to get a big, big paycheck and now not have, because he'll be a free agent when he's 30. So Chubb is sitting around. He looks at the team, where they're at, what they've built, what they're building, who the players around him are. And by and large, they are team players. And I I think you're going to see a lot of people probably surprised that Baker doesn't try to get as much money as he could probably pull off. Uh, because he's going, Baker's looking around and going, well, you know, a hundred million dollars is great money. I could probably get a hundred and twenty, but if I do a hundred, you know, and and I'm just grabbing numbers out of my ass. I don't know, you know, what the quarterback market is, but he he's not. I, I don't know that Baker's going to look to to reset the market because he's going to look around and say, well, I can keep this team together, and they bought into Stefanski. They bought into Andrew Barry. Part of it, I think, too, is they know with Barry's analytics background that he's just not going to overpay. He's not going to sacrifice the team uh, to overpay. And so many people, I think, look at what Tom Brady did, taking, by and large, under market contracts for his career and winning ring after ring after ring after ring. So, is it, is it, it's, Probably that's probably not an apples to apples comparison, but I think that Nick Chubb goes. I, I've got a team that has the potential to to make some noise and and win a Super Bowl. Uh, I'm in a good situation. I think that from a marketing standpoint, I think Chubb probably looks more at marketing himself in Georgia, where he's from locally, regionally, and in Cleveland, where he's from locally and regionally. He, he's probably not. I think if they come knocking on his door with national deals, he's going to say yes. But he's also, you know, that kind of goes against his personality. So he'll do, he, you know, he looks, he seems like a guy that's being smart with his money as well. So it, it, do you want to see him get everything they can? Sure. But you also want to see a guy that wants to see the team win and, when other guys start rolling around for salary, for, for contract renewals, now Nick Chubb can go and say, really, you're going to hold out for five more million dollars total? We're on the brink of winning. Put, you know, I, follow my lead. Let's win this thing. And it might also sadly be a reality of the market because we saw teams that we think are potential playoff contenders that have questions at running back both not spend – money on free agents that were out there and not make a move to get high, uh, you know, to take running backs high in the draft. I think we're just seeing that position shift. So if he likes his situation, he thinks he can win and he got a deal that makes him happy. That's, you know, good for him. 
All right, so let's talk about our tight end rankings here. And to no one's surprise, I am sure tight end one in the consensus for us is Travis Kelsey. The big question I have with him is, is he in a tier of his own? Is there any shot outside of injury anybody else takes over that top spot, or is it just Travis Kelsey? Well, I think Waller is the de facto wide receiver one on Las Vegas. So the potential exists there that if things get a little more spread out in Kansas City, Waller and Waller gets in the end zone a little more. I, I think he might be able to do it. Uh, other than that, I don't know that I necessarily see anybody else that's going to surpass uh, Kelsey, mostly because of passing volume for the team. And, and where the tight end sits. There are a few teams where I think the tight end is in the top uh, one one or two uh, in, in the, the totem pole for, the, for targets. Um, there's about six teams, I think. Uh, I was thinking about that today. Then the, uh, because I'm trying to figure out where Pitts, what Pitts' target share is going to be. And if we do that, you know, because I, I feel like where I have pits, I'm probably going to need to move him up, but I need to get comfortable with where his target share is at. So I, I don't know that I think really Waller, I guess the short story is I think Waller is the only one that's a serious threat to take out Kelsey. You know, I think Kelsey, much like how I feel about Patrick Mahomes, is is the safest choice. Um, and I think he, unlike Mahomes, probably is the one. I do think Waller, there's potential. His team has much worse wide receiver situation. I also think if George Kittle was actually healthy and the 49ers get good, consistent production um, at the quarterback that he has the potential to. But outside of those three, you know, I like – a few other guys that I would put above the rest in terms of I have more confidence they finish top five, but much like receiver for me, it's kind of those three. Yeah, I I've, I actually have Kelsey is my one and in a tier of himself. I, I, I do think Waller is going to take a little bit of a step back this year because I, I don't think the Raiders are just going to be a good team at all, Matt. You've talked a lot about on the podcast how bad their offensive line is going to be. So I don't think Carr is going to be able to pass with the amount of efficiency that he did have last year. And I do think they're going to try and get the wide receivers more involved. Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs. I mean, all Gruden seems to talk about is how much he loves Henry Ruggs. I think they're going to try and get those guys more involved. So while Waller, I do think, is the number one in the passing game, I think he's going to take a little bit of a backseat. And I'm with you on Kittle. I'll just go right into that. He is my number two because I still believe in him being the guy. Like, he is my favorite tight end, but as we've talked about, he plays the tight end like a linebacker. And so will he stay healthy all season? I don't know. I still have him at two because I assume he's going to be healthy, and I think he's going to be able to go out there and produce because you're still going to have a Debo and an Ayuk around him, and I think that that's going to help him kind of become that nut guy. So he's number two for me. He comes in uh, the consensus as number three. Uh, because you guys have him, uh, Matt at three, Dennis at four, respectively. Darren Waller comes in at two, 2.33 in the consensus. Both of you have met two. I have him at three. Uh, Dennis, your thoughts on Kittle? Because Matt and me have already kind of mentioned him a little bit there. So, 
I, I don't think that San Francisco passes the ball enough for Kittle to be a threat. Even if he's the top target in San Francisco, which I, I think there's some debate as to whether it's it's him or Ayuk. Uh, but regardless, I just don't think the volume is there for Kittle. Unless he has a Tanyan-like, Robert Tanyan-like efficiency uh, with tight end uh, or with touchdowns, I, I just don't see it for Kittle. That's why I actually have him at tight end four, um, because I, I think a, another tight end, uh, I, I have Hawkinson at three, who I think is going to get the volume uh, yep. in Detroit because they don't have a shit ton of other options. And so I think Hawkinson is going to get the volume, which is why I have Kittle at four and Hawkinson. Yeah, and Hawkinson was our number four consensus. Yeah. I had him at four. Matt, I think you had him at four as well. Yes, it is. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be good uh, for Detroit. This it, to me, there was that, that's there was hashtag five, analysis there. Yeah, I mean, there was five five guys that I put up there that our consensus number five was Andrews. I felt I have him at five. I felt pretty good about those five being potentially in the top five, and then there's the next group for me that I think has talent that I have more questions about. Yeah, Hawkinson is my four. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, PJ just mentioned he thinks he's going to have a massive year. I agree. I, I think he's he's going to be in for a huge year. He's going to be the number one weapon. We just talked about it on the wide receiver episode, Tyrell Williams and uh, uh, Parrot. Perriman are already hurt for the Lions, so it's going to be all all Amon Ross St. Brown and and uh, Hawkinson there for for Jared Goff. I think that yeah, Hawkinson's in for a major year. Uh, oh yeah, well Swift's going to be great, but I mean just Jamal on the receiving side, uh, those two are going to be really good. Yeah, so at five it is Mark Andrews who comes in at five point three three because both Dennis and Matt, you guys have him there at five. Uh, Matt, are you expecting kind of a bounce back season for him? We know, you know, he had a lot. Uh, he's even mentioned it had a lot on his mind last year with with everything going on with COVID. He uh, is is it diabetes now? I'm trying to yeah, remember. I think he's he, type one. Yeah, uh, so he had a, he had that on his mind. He said that kind of affected him a lot last year. Dealt with some injuries, and let's just be honest, Baltimore took a little bit of a step back. Lamar did that offense did bounce back year for Andrews uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, he was still uh, – I think he was top five last year. So I, I expect him to be top five. Like I said, for me, there's kind of those five. Uh, I know you were motivated to put somebody else at five by a bet that you made, but uh, I feel confident that Andrew's probably still the, the top option in Baltimore too. Yeah, I, I like Andrew's to keep doing what he's doing. Uh, the Ravens offense, even if it takes a step forward in the passing game, it's not going to take a leap. It's going to it's going to take a little step. You're talking, uh, on average, maybe two to four more passes per game. So it isn't like they're all of a sudden going to start chucking it 40 times a game. So Andrews's volume is going to be pretty consistently uh, in line with what it's been for his entire career, and he gets in the end zone on a at a decent rate. He's the De facto number one. I do think Hollywood Brown takes a step this year. So uh, I, I think Andrews maybe steps back a little bit in. Uh, I, I don't I don't even know if he steps back a little bit. I just think that that if they add that two to four more passes per game, I think Hollywood Brown is the main beneficiary of that. 
Yeah, so as Matt mentioned, I have a different player at five. I do think Mark Andrews is going to be in for, for a big year. Uh, my biggest – and not a concern, really. I have him at six, so I still think he's going to be really good. If Bateman comes back and is healthy and starts playing, how much does him playing in the short area take targets away from Andrews? I still think he's going to be Lamar's guy. And if that continues, he'll have a, have a really good season. But I put Kyle Pitts at five. I think he's going to get the targets. He's going to be the two in that offense behind Calvin Ridley. And he's just a physical freak. He's big enough to stop cornerbacks who are going to try and press him. And he's fast enough to get by linebackers if they're on him. Uh, you know, we've all talked about we think Atlanta's not going to be a good team this year, which means they're likely going to be passing the ball more often than not. And I think Kyle Pitts is going to be in on that outside of the bet. I, I would say that even with the bet. I wanted to put him up at one to ensure the bet happens. Uh, but I, I realistically, I do think he's got a shot to finish at top five. And I, I think he's a top three, four tight end moving forward. I, I think Pitts is going to have a huge year this year. Yeah, I that was my question. I, I think I posted it in, in our chat that I was trying to figure out what the t- storm apocalypse twenty twenty one has claimed its first victim, Dennis Bennett in Ohio. I will say I like Pitts too. I think uh, both Pitts and Hurts are going to have uh, decent seasons um, because, you know, outside of Calvin Ridley, there aren't uh, – I'm, I'm not a Russell Gage truther. I'm not an Ola Midi Zacchaeus truther. Uh, I'm not a Frank Dar- Darby truther. I think it's going to be a lot of two tight end sets and Pitts is going to be good. I just – I didn't quite move him up into top five. I think I was the lowest. I had him at seven. He's six in our consensus. I liked. Um, I actually have Goddard just a little bit over him that you guys are a little lower on. Maybe I'm too optimistic. But there's a range of tight ends, as we've talked about. Once you get after the top five, I feel like in my personal rankings, like six to 18 could no order of finish would surprise me. Well, it's – I was actually looking as I was adjusting, working out some of my ranking issues today, uh, which led to me trying to figure out if I should move Pitts up even more. I, I do think I, it wouldn't surprise me if I find if I find a strong enough argument to move Pitts up to four or five. Uh, we'll see. That'll be something I'm working on this weekend. He, but he's the one all, guy in rookie drafts I'm going to say that I'm sad I don't have any shares of. But between tight end seven and 19, there was a 25 point difference. So, you know, less than less than a point and a half per game. So two two catches and a touchdown. Yeah. So I I was like trying to figure it out, like as I was jockeying, because there's some guys I feel like I'm I'm too low on. And and I'm but I'm I'm looking, I'm like going, well, where who am I going to move down? Who am I going to move around? And so uh my, my tight ends are probably the most influx, at least that after tight end seven are probably the most uh, influx. Yeah, I'm not sure about Ferkser. Uh, he was one of the guys I moved up in my rankings. So, Where do but, we have Ferkser? Uh, uh, yeah, not very high. He's um, cons- our consensus 17, which means he could be tight end seven or he could be tight end yeah. 19. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the, the rookie draft, Matt. I've got like a couple more chances in the next couple weeks, a couple more rookie drafts I've got to roll out. Maybe I'm going to get lucky and get Pitts in, in two of them. I've got three first-round picks in two of them. So, 
And both I may just take him in some redraft leagues to, to experience the joy. I'm, I'm hoping. But, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Pitts. I think he's going to be, be in for a really big year. Number seven is Matt's favorite tight end in all of the universe, Noah Fant. Both of you have him at eight. I have him at nine. Matt, tell us why Noah Fant is going to be a top ten tight end this year. I mean, I hope he is. I probably would have him higher if I believe Denver had a professional quarterback on their roster, but I'm not 100% sure about that. Uh, I think he'll he'll do well. One of the receivers will do well. Uh, and, and, I, you know, I bet more on Sutton, but I, Fant seems to have done well regardless. Um, I think he'll be a red zone target, so – he was very close to making it in this territory last year, despite some suboptimal quarterback play. So I, I think he takes a little bit of a step forward in year three. Yeah, I like fan. I have fans at, at my tight end eight. And so he comes in at tight end seven for us. Um, I think he's found a consistent groove with Drew Locke. And I think he'll, because of Teddy Bridgewater's game, I think that that will develop pretty consistently if Bridgewater is the quarterback. So uh, Fant is explosive, and, uh, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with breaking off those big plays, and Fant can do that. He's shown he's capable of that. So uh, I like Fant a lot. He actually seems to have more chemistry with Locke, so yeah. you, may, you may be hoping the wrong way. Well, no, I do think he's got chemistry with Locke. I just think that Bridgewater, because Bridgewater, I, I think Bridgewater winning the job probably affects Sutton and Judy more than it does. Uh, it probably affects me more than either of them because I'm having a heart attack watching the team play on Sundays. Yeah, I think the only thing that holds Fant from being a top back from being a top ten tight end is injury. Uh, we've seen him uh, struggle a little bit with injuries the past couple of years. As long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to be more than fine, regardless of quarterback, because I, I think both of them are going to target him as, as one of their top uh, targets. Uh, let's see here. Matt, if you wouldn't mind, take uh, take the next uh, spot here. I've got to do something real quick. So our next one is Irv Smith. Uh, he comes in at eight in the consensus. Uh, Dennis, you were the highest. You had him at seven. Uh, Matt had him at 10. I had him at nine. So what do you love about Irv Smith? Well, Smith has shown, he's shown that he's a really, really good receiver, and he's really good in the red zone. Um, I think that this year, while Zimmer wants to focus on running the ball more, they are a productive passing offense, and it's really three guys outside of the running game. It's it's uh, Smith, Jefferson, and Thielen. I, I think in redraft, I, I don't think we want to write Thielen off yet, but I do think Irv Smith has taken the next step. And he's going in. Is he going into year three or year four? Um, year three. He was in Fant and Hawkinson's class. So. But he's a great, great receiver. He's, you know, he isn't a, a four or five guy, I don't think. I think he's a little bit slower than that. But he has an NFL pedigree and he's stepped in and he's taking care of business. And the dude's got glue for hands. So 
Uh, he, and he, he gets open and, and Kirk Cousins trusts him. I think that's that that and, you know, a couple million dollars is what led. Uh, I think Kyle Rudolph, what he did is he saw the writing on the wall that Smith was taking this job, uh, whether he wanted him to or not. And so he made it about money, but really Smith was going to be the guy. And he has the uh, he has the position basically to himself now. Uh, I don't know that I'm counting on Tyler Conklin to split the role like uh, Rudolph and Smith did. So Smith is going to be the guy there. You know, and in fairness to Logan Thomas, they're actually tied. Uh, him and Smith are tied. Uh, so it, it – I'm not sure. I'm going to guess that the system alphabetized it when, when they yeah. did it. Irv is before Logan. Yeah, and, and I like Smith. I, I agree with you. I think he takes a step forward. Logan Thomas, as you mentioned, was the next in our consensus. Uh, another case, uh, I think you you had him at nine. Uh, Matt was the highest at seven. Uh, and then I was the lowest at ten. I still like Logan Thomas. I think he's going to have a fine season. Um I just, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he finished his six. It wouldn't surprise me if he finished his 14. I have him at 10. I think Washington got a little bit better other receivers, complimentary receivers. Um, I like Curtis Samuel a little bit more than you guys did. I have high hopes for Deami Brown. So I took Thomas. I think he finished as tight end four last year or six. So I slid him back just a little bit, but I still think he's a top 10 option. I have him in a few places, and I'm glad to have him as my tight end one. I think he'll do uh, just a fine job. But what do you think about uh, Thomas? Yeah, I, I like Thomas. I, I don't think he's going to get quite as high a volume, and part of that is because uh, uh, Fitz, uh, Fitz, Fitzpatrick's – I almost called him Fitzgerald – Fitzpatrick's uh, desire to throw the ball down the field. He's willing to take those shots and go downfield and and maybe force the ball in a little more than uh, some of the other quarterbacks that played last year. Uh, is he gonna get is is he gonna get the volume to be tight end four? I do not think so. That's you know why I had him at uh, tight end nine. So I like Thomas. He's definitely in the running to be a tight end one. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being tight end 14. It wouldn't surprise me if he's tight end seven. Um, but it's it's a – I think this year in, in redraft, you've got a, a core of about four or five guys at the top you want to get, and if you don't get one of them, you might as well just fade. It's, you know, late round tight end time. Yeah, Matt, we talked a little bit off air about that. That was kind of what I did, what Dennis just mentioned with uh, with the 14-teamer that I'm in, getting Logan Thomas. I think it was like in the 11th round to be my, my starting tight end because uh, I, I, I kind of faded it a little bit and was hoping to get a guy that I think has that upside. And I definitely think he does, especially with a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick there. Um, I didn't catch the first part of it, but I, the one thing that does worry me, obviously, is bringing in a guy like Deame Brown, who's now going to be opposite of – of Terry McLaurin, you got Curtis Samuel. You know, I still think AGG Antonio Gandy Golden and possibly even Kelvin Harmon could do something eventually. So the more and more targets you added to these wide receivers could take away from Logan Thomas. But at least this year, I think that he is going uh, to still be a very good tight end. At number ten, that brings in Dallas Goddard. Matt mentioned him earlier. He is the highest on him at six. I have him at eight. Dennis, you have him at thirteen. 
Uh, Matt, we were talking a little bit again off air about the, you know, Zach Ertz is, is kind of, I think, the biggest question mark we have with yep. him right now. Because if he's there, that could definitely hurt Dallas Goddard this year, or at least while he's there. Yeah, and Goddard had pretty decent chemistry with Hertz. He was one of the guys that got targeted quite frequently and Hertz starts. So that kind of quarterback change shouldn't affect it. We were hopeful that Goddard was going to take a step forward this year. I still think he will. I still think it's they're ready to make the transition, but Ertz still being on the roster definitely gives me pause. I was the highest. I, I still think Ertz moves, but the closer we get to September 12th, the less likely that seems. So I might be a little too bullish on him. Yeah, I'm the lowest on Goddard. I have him at 13. And to me, I'm, I'm just nervous about what's going to happen with that offense with Sirianni um, it, with Hertz. I feel like they're a low volume offense and Hertz is going to try to get the ball to Devonta Smith, uh, Jalen Rager, you know, the running backs. And, and I, I don't think it's going to be run through the tight end position as much as it's been in the past. And, and I think I, I, I kind of priced Goddard at tight end 13 with Ertz at tight end 25 with the expectation that he'll be there. Uh, so Goddard does have the opportunity to move up some. I do think Goddard supplants Ertz as the guy, but I, I also think that there'll be enough cannibalization and enough distribution to other positions to kind of give the Eagles uh no uh, tight end one for the first time in gosh knows how long. Yeah, I think if 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 Rager can't Rager and Smith, what what Dennis just said is going to be key. If those two guys step up and Hurts is in, which we know Hurts has the chemistry with Smith, they played together in Alabama. Uh, different different offense, different everything though here. So I think that's a little overrated. Rager has definitely looked better in camp from everything I've seen. Coaches are talking him up a little bit more. So if those two guys do come on, that's definitely going to hurt Goddard. Uh, I still think he'll be involved in the offense if Ertz is there. How much of that? You know, Matt, we talked a little bit about do they try and get Ertz more involved in the offense so they can move him before the deadline? And so that obviously is going to hurt Goddard as well. I don't think there's going to be enough passing volume to go around a ton. But something we mentioned at the beginning of this episode a lot of these guys are going to be grouped together. Dennis mentioned there was only 25 points that separated a bunch of these guys. So Goddard, I think because of what he can do in that offense, is still likely going to be a top 12 tight end. So I've got him up there at eight. There's a couple of guys in this range I could move him around with, uh, but I, I think I feel comfortable having him up here inside the top 10. At 11 comes in Mike Gesicki, uh, 12 for Matt, 10 for Dennis, and 14 for me. Dennis, why do you uh, why do you have him up there at 10? Just belief in the in the Dolphins' offense and Tua. Well, I, I do like Tua to take a a uh, step forward this year. Um, he's my he was my QB one in the class coming out, uh, and, and I think he's he's carved out a role in that offense. Uh, an area, you know, they've got some really good outside receivers in Parker, uh, in Waddle, um, and Preston Williams, Will Fuller. So I, I definitely think that Gesicki is going to continue to work that inside and middle of the field. And he's, he's quite athletic. So when he does get the ball, 
Uh, he, he does. He is going to need to take a little bit of a step in his growth from a athlete playing tight end to an actual tight end. But I think we're at that stage of the career that it's put up or shut up time for Mike Gesicki. If if he doesn't take a step forward this year, you know they're going to. You know, Brian Flores is going to put tight end uh, on the side of the ledger that uh, is needs, not uh, luxuries. Yeah, they have a lot of options. They obviously took Long, who got injured in camp. We don't know where his situation is. They still have Adam Shaheen. They have a lot of receiving options. I still believe in Gasecki. I think he ends up as a low-end tight end one, but I've come back a little bit. There were times in the offseason I was hopeful that he you know, might be a top seven or eight, but I think he's probably going to be a low-end tight end one now. Of course, I was muted the whole time. I dropped him out of tight end one range because of them drafting Waddle as well. I think he's a better fit to that for that offense, as we've talked about. Still got Parker there. Still have some faith in Dennis's guy, Preston Williams, to be able to do something. They've got Will Fuller. And I honestly think they drafted Hunter Long to be the future because Mike Gesicki is not a great blocker. Hunter Long talked a lot about it, I think, on the after show of Debbie Debate last night, that Hunter Long is – a complete tight end. He's very good on the offensive side, but he's also a very good blocker. I think that they kind of signaled that this is going to be the end for Mike Gesicki. So I think he can go out there and have a good year, but I don't think he's going to be a top 12 guy because I think he's probably going to be third, maybe fourth, maybe even fifth in passing in this offense because you also have Miles Gaskin and Salvon Ahmed out of the backfield, who I think could get some catches as well. And I don't think because of the way Brian Flores is as a head coach being defensive head first, I think they're going to be more of a run-first, play-defense kind of offense compared to a high-flying passing offense. So all of that coming together hurts him. Still top 14 for me, but I don't have him inside my top 12. Last but not least for today's show, number 12, Robert Tunyon. Comes in at 14 for Matt, 11 for Dennis, and 13 for me. Matt, we saw him break out last year. Little bit concerned that he doesn't have a touchdown regression. What is it that you see has him dropping out of the tight end one range this season? Yeah, so he only saw 56 targets last year, managed to snag 52 of them, which is a pretty incredible percentage, but also turned 52 receptions into 11 touchdowns, which is an incredible percentage. I see that coming back uh, to the pack some. no pun intended, but the Packers also added, you know, they went and got Randall Cobb back. Devin Funchess comes back. They drafted Amari Rogers. They have MVS and Lazard still there. Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. I don't think he gets a substantially bigger target share. Um, so he was insanely efficient last year, and that's what put him up to tight end three. As we talked about, 25-point spread between tight end, was it six, and tight end 18. So, I think he could be on the down end of that uh, 25 point spread. Yeah, I he's probably is the most volatile of any of the guys I think in this range. Uh, I I'm kind of looking at it, and it wouldn't surprise me if he uh, if he ends up moving down my list a little bit because of that volatility. I like Tanyan, but, you know, we're hearing camp reports that MBS has taken a step. You know, they brought back Randall Cobb, the uh, security blanket. 
and, and we know that Aaron Jones is an exceptional pass receiver as well as being a great runner. So, and then they also have uh, Matt's favorite tight end, Jay Sternberger, up there too. Still, um, you know, <laughs> this is the year. This is the year. So uh, I, I like Tanya. I also have Mercedes Lewis. Yeah, the the you know touch touchdown statue vulture. Uh, for me, my tight end, I, I'm way out on a limb here. My tight end didn't even make the top 24 for our consensus rankings. But I, I got Donald Parham as my tight end 12. Uh, I think he's going to take the job over Jared Cook. Jared Cook is going to become a mentor. Uh, you know, he's going to be the tight end too, and maybe even the blocking tight end. Uh, but I like Donald Parham to have a breakout year this year. And uh, maybe I'm trying to – Maybe my 55% uh, roster ship share is trying to will that to be. But I I just like what he does as a, as a player, and so I, I can't let us get out of here without telling everybody Donald Parham, Donald Parham is a, a late breakout tight end. Go get him. Yeah, that's 100% on brand. We we, de- we definitely love to speak into the ether on the guys we have a lot of roster ship on to try and make stuff happen. So. That will do it for our show today. Again, if you guys are in the Ohio area or going to be near Canton, come by the Midwest. Uh, no, it's not the Midwest Fantasy Expo anymore. The Fantasy Expo. Uh, it'll be going on uh, Sunday. There's stuff you can do Saturday and Friday night as well, but we will both be there Sunday. We have booths set up. I believe we'll be right next to each other. We've got a, the, the Campus of Canton crew has a presentation first thing in the morning, and then we'll be there. Come by, say hi to us. Love to see everybody and talk to you guys. Uh, we will not have a show on Monday as I will be traveling back from Ohio uh, for that. So you will see us back on Thursday to possibly wrap up tight ends, maybe do defense kickers, yeah. Marvel. We got we got all kinds of stuff planned. Yeah, we'll be fumbling our way through the uh, your defense uh, and kickers. Not, nice little hodgepodge. Spring for, spring for that in-flight internet and do the show from the sky, man. I mean, I'll be back before, but I got, you know, family in town. I want to be able to relax a little bit because then I get to go right back to work. I've I've taken a lot of time off recently, so. I'm just jealous you guys get to go to the expo. I will be, uh, I will be at work. Uh, I will be at work every day between now and when we come back next Thursday. We will, we will definitely be thinking about you. That is for sure. And I I, I don't envy you one bit that you do have to work because I'm I'm excited. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm I'm excited to be up there. So again, if if you guys are there, come by, say hi to us. Otherwise, have yourselves a great weekend, and we will talk to you guys again next week. Football all week long. Watch football. Prepare for glory. Oh no, no, you got your popcorn ready. You got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line already. And he's in the end zone. Oh, the tackle of the corner. Who can make a play?